Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew 26, 17 to get started. So I titled this, It Can't Happen to Me. And there's quite a bit of reading in it. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've really become a bad judge of time. I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I think I'm going to let you out a little early. And then when I look at the clock, I end up rushing at the very end. So I'm not even going to guess where I'm going to be at tonight. So is everybody there? Say amen if you're there. Okay. So Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples. So Passover was like the holiest of um, celebrations that the Jews celebrated. They're celebrating when the Israelites left Egypt. So they're celebrating, you know, all the miracles and, and, and God's deliverance, and it's a huge deal. And so every year since, they celebrate Passover. So Jesus, with his disciples, is getting ready to celebrate that time. So now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written, just as it is written of him, but woe to the that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Jesus, who was betraying him, then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. At least that's what I have it titled. Sometimes when I copy these, it doesn't copy the numbers. It goes straight into that, right? Okay. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So they're with Jesus. I mean, they're, they're, they're having the Lord's Supper with Jesus. I mean, we do communion in here. I think we're doing communion this Sunday, I believe. Um, and we take it serious, and we take it holy, but, but we're not like sitting at the table with Jesus. They're sitting at the table with Jesus. Um, so kind of get this picture of, of, of the closeness. I mean, they're with Jesus. All right, where am I at? As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples, said, take, eat, this is my body. He then took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, 
so they're having this great time. Great. It's a very serious time. They're, not, they're still not really grasping exactly what's happening to him. Um, but it was a very close fellowship, seriously close fellowship with him. He's sharing things with him. Um, they're having communion together. And then they, they all sing a song together, kind of like we do some, you know, we do here in praise and worship. And, and sometimes we have our moments on Sunday nights that are just really special. So they're having all these special moments. And then they go to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus says to them, all of you will be made to stumble. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you that, that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So he's like, uh-uh. He's just telling Jesus he's wrong. And so said all this. And all the disciples are like, no, like that's, that's just not going to happen. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane, okay, I think I got it, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then immediately, like within that hour, Judas betrayed him. So he literally tells them all, you're going to stumble. You are going to stumble. Did they believe him? No. They're like, no, like, we're with you. We know you. We believe in you. We followed you. We're not going to stumble. And they just refused to believe it. Well, just get into your brains that you're going to stumble. <laughs> I know that sounds like, but we're faith people. We don't stumble. Yes, we do. We stumble. We fall, but as faith people, we get back up. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about that tonight. What do you do after that happens? All right, so turn to Daniel 1.1. I have another example. He even tells them you're going to stumble, and like, then they go and pray, and they, they're like, no, we're not, no, we're not, and then they fall asleep. Like, they're already stumbling. They're already doing exactly what they said and part of the problem was that they, they thought they were above it. They thought they were spiritual. They could handle this. And that's a deception. They should have just been like, oh, it hurts, Jesus, but okay. <laughs> I believe you. If you said it, it's going to happen. And I need to do what it takes to watch out for that. That would have been a better way to handle it. And we can do that because we get to learn from their example Thank God, it's not us we're learning about. It's not our names in here that we're talking about tonight. So Daniel 1, 1. Let me see if I'm here. Okay. So we have another example. 
so let me go ahead and start reading it. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so he's the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And there's, I I could teach a whole message on just that. (laughs) Just like, what was going on? Why were things so bad that they were able to be just taken over and run over? You know, that's a whole other message. But that's part of why we pray for our leaders. So we'll get back to that some other time. And the Lord gave the king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God, the little G God, his God, whatever it was. And he called it. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the, the, I don't know if it's Chaldeans or Chaldeans. Is it Chaldeans with a, like a K? K? Okay, it's the Chaldeans. All right. Chaldeans? Oh, it's more like a cow? Okay. <laughs> That'll help me remember it next time, though. All right. Well, you guys forgive me. I, uh, I have been to college, but we don't study this in college. Imagine that. <laughs> we don't study Greek or Hebrew, so. All right. Let me just make sure, because I don't want to read the whole thing, but I do want to go. Okay. Um. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among, now I'm wondering why he didn't have his own people. Why is, he taking, why is he taking the Hebrews? He must have recognized something special in them. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. So he's trying to take away their identity. He gave, and it didn't work. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So things are not good for the Hebrews right now. They've been besieged, taken over, retrained. He's trying, you know, the king's trying to take away their identity. He's trying to train them in his ways. He's trying to make them worship all these gods. So turn to chapter 2. So I'm just trying to give you some context there of where they're at. And honestly, there's a whole other message there, too, about, you know, when, it, when you, you have a rough time in the workplace or you're working for someone who's tough, I'm, <laughs> these guys show you how it's done. <laughs> these three guys and Daniel you will be inspired. You read their story, you'll see. You'll see what can happen when you, when you do things right, 
when you are respectful to your boss and you, you work hard, like Steve was saying, and, but you keep God first, I mean, God, God will work it out for you. He'll do mighty things on your behalf and he'll give you great favor. But that's a whole nother story. So I got to get back to this one. So in two, so Nebuchadnezzar, uh, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. So he has his dream, and none of his people can tell him what it means. He gets angry. He says, well, we're just going to kill all the wise men in Babylon. Just forget it. We're going to get rid of them. So turn to uh, 246. 46. 246. Okay, so we're skipping through this, but Daniel, they find Daniel, and Daniel's like, wait, you know, don't kill my friends. Don't kill me. He knows they're coming, and he talks to the guy who's going out looking for all the wise men because they're considered part of that group. And so Daniel says, wait, give me, give me a minute, and I will interpret the dream. And he does interpret the dream for him. So in 246, so, and King Nebuchadnezzar's just like, wow, you know, he knows, like, this is my answer. He's excited. So he fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could not reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many gifts, made him ruler over a whole province of Babylon, and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. So I guess he didn't kill the rest of them. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. He didn't forget his friends, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So he, he had a turn there. He realized his God was God at that moment, right? So he's on his face. He's actually worshiping. He's like, wow, he's worshiping the real God. And then go to chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, so right after this, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. This was right after. Your God's the real God. He makes an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's with six cubits. He set it up. It's like a 40 foot by 40. I think it's 40 feet by 40 feet. I looked it up, it was, but it was a while back. Anyway, it's pretty tall. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together uh, basically every, all his important people, his government, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So they all came together um, for the dedication of this image, and they stood before that image, and they played music, and he said, um, it's commanded to you when you hear the sound that you shall fall down and worship the gold image that the king has set up. And whoever doesn't is going to be cast into the fiery furnace. And so you guys know the rest of the story. That was right after he had that opportunity and he saw, he believed, he fell down and was worshiping God. Like, who does that? How does that happen? It happens. You can be in the presence of God 
and then walk out of here and you can stumble. It's just, it's humanity. But there's ways to turn it around. There's ways to pick yourself back up. And there's way, you may stumble 20 times, but if you keep, you purpose to do the things that I'm going to talk about tonight, you'll find that you stop having those moments. You know, you're human, you will have those moments, but you will find you begin having them less and less and less. Amen? So, turn to Jeremiah 18.1. So the truth is, everybody stumbles, everyone. Um, You know, it could be a week after we have a Shekinah glory service and you're not feeling the same. Well, the truth is, the difference between you and a successful Christian is simple. They just get back up. How many of y'all have heard the expression, you get back on the horse? You just get back on the horse. You get back up after that fall. You get back up. That's the difference in you and someone who's unsuccessful in their walk. You get back up. You get back up. Don't be embarrassed. It doesn't matter what it is. You're, you got angry with someone, and you got in a fight, and you stumbled. Come back in those doors. Every one of us has done it. Every one of us married folks has done it. <laughs> you get in a fight right before church, don't let it stop you from coming to church. Make it a priority. It should never, never stop you. It should not stop you. Just know there's other people who've been through it, and they're here, and know that you can do it. We've all done it. You might have gotten in a, in, you know, a big fight with your family member or something. So come into church. Be here. Don't stop fellowshipping with other believers. Don't, don't stop fellowshipping with God. You know, just little things like that you wouldn't believe, would just stop people. I'm not coming because I don't want to have to look at them. Or, or, or they took my seat, and then they're not going to come next week. You're going to forfeit your blessings from God and what he may be saying to you because somebody took your seat? See, I told you this would be a little sobering. And you're probably thinking, what? But it happens. It happens. And it's a real shame. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. I mean, think of how many fights you've ever had with your spouse. When you look back at the fights, maybe like five, ten years ago, aren't you like, oh, my gosh, what were we fighting about? It's so stupid. You know, and you're really just, you're fighting, you know, the devil's just laying all these traps and having you fight. You're really just fighting a defeated foe. And when you recognize that and take authority over it, you end up having a lot less. But... (laughs) But anyway, that's a whole other story, too, right there. So, so get back up when you stumble. Get, just get back up. And getting back up involves continuing your walk with God, continuing praying, continue, continuing coming to church. So are you guys in Jeremiah 18.1? So in Jeremiah, we have this awesome picture of, let me go ahead and read it. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Now, first of all, that must have just blown his mind. He didn't say go to the temple. Like he said, go to the potter's house 
and there I will cause you to hear my words. You know, sometimes God's going to tell you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. He might be telling you, hey, go for a walk tonight after dinner by yourself because he's got something he wants to say to you. You know, just be open. Be open, you know, to all kinds of different situations where God wants to speak to you. So he did it. He went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. So how many people have ever seen uh, clay pots, like, on the wheel spinning? And you see, you see how they use their hands to shape it? And, I mean, maybe they have electric ones now, but I know the old ones, like, they used to use their foot to make it turn. But it turns, and you, the, the guy uses his hands. And sometimes if something, they make a mistake, it, it goes all wonky. And then they just, they get some more water, or they get some more clay, and then they get back to it, and they just fix it again. So in the, the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So our creator is, he's, he's shaped us. He's designed us. He, he knows what he's doing. And he's creating, he's giving them this beautiful example. What, what is a pot for? It's designed to carry something. I mean, whether it's soil, whether it's water, whatever. But its design is to carry something. And this is a beautiful example of what he's created in us. We are designed, and he knows what he's doing, we're designed to carry his glory. We're supposed to have that. And he knows what he's doing. But our vessels can get marred during the shaping process and the shaping process, it might come through your pastors. They might be like, hey, what's going on with this? It, and, you know, you thought you're on your wheel and you're looking beautiful. And then you're like, blah, you know, that, that your whole thing just gets all crazy. Um, that can happen. And, and especially if you get really, like, really resistant to when, you know, you're being shaped you know, God's given us pastors, God's given us leaders to help us and maybe help us see things that we don't always see. Things that I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that never even dawned on me. But rather than get upset, think about it. Think about what they're saying. Pray about it. And, you know, and thank God for it because it may be something you didn't realize. Maybe you didn't realize how deep you were into something that, you know, or maybe you didn't even realize it was something that was leading you in, a, in, in the wrong direction. Listen, if, you, if the Holy Ghost ever talks to you or corrects you on something, he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to get something good in you. He's trying to keep you in the good. And if he's dealing with you about it, say he's dealing with you about something that's going on with your kids, your first thing in your head is always like, you, you just don't want to believe it. It's just because it's upsetting. 
It hurts. But if he's dealing with you about it, it's because you have the ability to change it. It's not too late. I mean, if it was too late, that would be awful. He would be awful <laughs> to tell you stuff that was too late. If you're hearing things that are too late, guess who that's coming from? That's not God. If the Holy Spirit, or if it's coming through church, it's coming through your leaders, a warning or something, it's because you absolutely have the ability to make a turn and make the change that you need to make. Amen? So picture the vessel. So we're supposed to be these pots that are carrying the glory. And so we're designed to be filled with new wine. And I, I, I don't, for time's sake, I didn't pull up the scriptures, but we're designed to be filled with the glory. But how many of y'all know, just like we stumble, our vessels leak, right? Like I said, you're just floating on a cloud after a Shekinah glory service. Maybe you ran around the church 20 times and, you know, you, you got really blessed and you got a word and you just, you're so pumped up. And then a week later, you're just like, you're just dragging, and you're just like, oh my gosh, where are you, God? Where are you? Well, you leak, and it's, it's guess what? It's, it's our job to get filled up again. So turn to John 4.13. It's our job, and it's our fault, which sounds super harsh, but if you, if you know better, you do better, right? That's how I feel. So John 4.13, Jesus answered and said to her, so I believe this is where he was at the fountain with the lady who had all the husbands. Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, and whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him. He said it will become in him. Will because he didn't say it's in you, just busting out of you all the time, a fountain of water springing up in an everlasting life. He didn't say that. He didn't say once you're filled, you're just full and you're going to be a Christian and you're going to be, you get born again and you just walk around just never having a bad day. No, he said, the water I give him will become in him. This is something that we have to take care of ourselves. So we have to surrender. We have to submit when he's shaping us. And if he tells you you're going to stumble, which if he told the disciples, the guys who wrote the Bible, who performed mighty miracles, if he told them they're going to stumble, then just accept it. We're going to stumble. When you accept it and you just say, but I'm going to do everything I can to not, like I said, you will find yourself stumbling far, far less and not tripping over the same things that you used to. Amen? So remember, a marred pot can be fixed and can be filled and refilled. Amen? So how are we going to stay filled? Well, I have like eight different things here. And you don't do all eight every day. You don't do all eight, you know, when you wake up in the morning. You pick what you connect to, what works for you each day. 
So the first thing I have, and I already mentioned, was go to church. Obey God. You're obeying God by going to church. He says to assemble together. Um, you know you can't do it alone at home. It just it doesn't work. So go to church. And like I said, so many just fail right there. And I'm, probably, I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here. You know, you guys are here. You're faithful. But at least you know you can share it with someone else who may be struggling with it. So go to church. Be here. Be ready to hear what you need to hear. I remember going to Rama, and I was struggling with something really bad. And, and honestly, it was just a love walk with someone. But it, I mean, you know, that can really mess you up. I mean, you're, you're not receiving when you're, you're not walking in love with someone. And I, um, Rama was tough because there was a lot of Bible school students that didn't even, didn't go to Rama Bible Church. And I felt like, for me personally, I felt like I was disrespectful. Like, they're the, this is their Bible school. I'm going to go to their church. So that's just me personally. But there was a lot of students who didn't go to church at all because they felt like they went all morning. We went Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8.30 to 12.30 every day. And that, that was enough God time for them. And so they, didn't, they weren't in church. They weren't meeting other believers. They weren't serving. You can't serve if you're not even there. I mean, because I, I just thought we're going to go, when we went to Rama, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, like we're going to make so many friends, so many people just like us, with a heart like us. I was so excited. And I remember that was like a big letdown. Like, you know, we get there and... After, well, after like two weeks of just sitting there, we're like, we can't do this. We got to serve. Like, <laughs> we, we got to do something. And the Lord was very specific about where he wanted us to serve. And so we did our parts. And because of it, it, like I wasn't there on Sunday mornings ever. Like I was always in a children's classroom. And he was always, every Wednesday night, he was with the teenagers. And so, um, but they had Wednesday night and they had Sunday night. So we were there when, you know, when we weren't serving and I just remember being like, where is everybody? Where's that nice girl I met, you know, that I thought I had so much in common with? It was, it was super, super frustrating. But I don't know how I got off on all that. But, uh, yeah. So go to church. <laughs> Give, you know... Be a blessing. You have a gift. God's blessed you with something, and you can't give it at home. Amen? You can't. People can't see what amazing things God's put in you when you're staying home. So number two, think on things above, Colossians 3.2. Let's turn there real quick. Okay, and there's not more than that. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So that's number two, really sweet and short. Don't focus on things. What's the scripture in Philippians? Meditate on things that are true, that are pure, that are holy, that are, you know. If it doesn't qualify on that list, then chuck it. Just get rid of it. You shouldn't be thinking on it. And, and I've, I have to do this daily. I'm a thinker. My mind just goes. I struggle at the movie theater. I don't like going to the movies. I don't want to pay to sit there 
and my mind, I'm a million miles away. <laughs> I'm thinking about everything else. I'm like, I can do this at home for free. I don't want to do this here at the movies and pay $14. So I have to really rein myself in and just get my brain focused. Okay, focus on the movie. Focus on the action or whatever's happening. And, and, but I, I mean, I realize I have to do this all day long. I have, to, I have to watch my thoughts and I have to make sure that they're, they're in that list of things that are qualifying, things that are true, lovely, of good report, you know. And, think, and sometimes I just, I'm like, I'm just going to think on things above. I'm going to think on, you know, Lord, what are you doing right now? <laughs> what are you doing? What, what are, what's my family doing who's up there? You know, just, I mean, even that, just, just don't focus on things here. So number three, find a scripture that... Uh, works for you, that you can connect to, and think on it, meditate on it, just off and on all day. That's a really simple one. Number four, fellowship with him. When you get a chance, you know, everybody's jobs are different, but I do believe everybody has a moment or moments during your day where you can just be like, Lord, I love you. I mean, it takes like two seconds just to make sure that he's on your, you know, you're just letting him know, you know, you're in my heart, I love you, and, you know, talk to him. And, and, you know, like I said, all jobs are different. Some people may have more time than others. I personally have days where either I'm just running like crazy, um, or I have days where I have a bunch of time, and I can actually pull my Bible up, and it's wonderful. So everybody's job is different, um, you know, and of course you have to be careful. You have to do what you're allowed to do on your job. But anybody just walking somewhere under your breath, just like, Lord, I love you. Thank you. Just, just be grateful. Just show them some gratefulness. So number five, sing hymns and songs, Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So find a church song you know, that you connect to, sing it, you know, hum it, um, you know, just praise them. Praise them in your car on the way home. That's something simple that you can do. All of these things are, are, a lot of these things are keeping your mind reined in, keeping your focus on God, and will help keep your spirit built up. Number six, just purpose to stay in the light all day. Um, if you're in the light, you won't get deceived, and you get deceived when you're in the dark. So it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy. Just purpose to stay in God's light. Say, you know, he's helping me. He's directing me. He lights my path. I'm going to know what to do, whether it's on my job or at home or whatever. Number seven, pray in the spirit. It builds you up. It gets your mind quiet. I don't know what I would do without the Holy Spirit and being able to pray in tongues. I mean, I told you. I already told you my, my, my brain issue, my mind thinking issue. and Praying in the spirit, I mean, just the most peaceful, calm my mind is, is right after I've spent time praying in the spirit. I mean, it's you, you cannot do it too much. You really, really, really can't. 
So, and it, it builds you up, and you'll hear better. You'll, you'll be a lot quicker to hear from God, amen? So number eight, and this one's really simple, do the word. Do what you've heard. It sounds so simple, but it's something that doesn't happen a lot of times. Just do the word. You can't expect God, you know, if you're in a situation you know is wrong, you cannot get on your knees and keep praying God to fix it if he's already told you in his word you're doing something you shouldn't be. You know, maybe say it's a young person and they're dating an unbeliever. You can't, oh, Lord, help me with the situation. No, you're not going to get any more light on that situation. Zero. Because you have put yourself in the dark and you need to crawl out of that dark. You need to pull yourself out and do what the word says first. If you want to have some light, you want to have further direction He'll give you direction to help you find someone that's along with, because he's not wanting you to be hurt. He's wanting to protect you. And so you just do the word and you'll stay, you'll stay in the light. Amen. So that's eight different things. And like I said, you don't, you don't do all of them every day. Pick what, what works for you, what works for your situation, what your heart is connecting to that day. But do it daily. If you, don't, if you find yourself stumbling daily, then you need to do these things daily. Amen? So you may be tempted to, if you've stumbled a lot or you keep stumbling in the same area, you may be tempted to just give up. Well, think about this. Everybody's felt that way at some time. Think about this. What if the disciples had given up? He told them, you're going to stumble. What did they do? They stumbled right away. They fell asleep while he was praying, even while they still had him, and they weren't going to have him. It was just a matter of days, and he was gone. They fell asleep. A moment to pray with Jesus. They fell asleep. They stumbled, and he told them, you're going to stumble. And then while they're taking him off, they're denying that they even knew him. They're running. They're hiding. They stumbled. What if they were like, I screwed up so bad. Forget it. What if they'd given up? What would we have now? What about all the miracles that we read about in the book of Acts? We would have none of it. All the mighty miracles, all those things, all the words that we got from them, because they just said, and, and I mean, and there, what happened to the, what happens to most of us is not getting printed in a book and millions of people have it. <laughs> Talk about embarrassing. If you think you've had something embarrassing, what if you stumbled and it's in a book and gazillions of people have it, like literally? There are stories in here. But if they had given up, then that would have been the end of it for them. They would have been with Jesus, and then they gave up, and that was it. They didn't give up. And so now the rest of their story is in there. The rest of your story is out there, is ready to be had. Amen? If you won't give up. The devil would love for you to just give in to that. Love, love, love. You do not give in. Just remember, that's one of his tactics. Just give up. You're too far gone. You've screwed up too many times. 
No. You have not. You have not. You've never screwed up too many times. Amen? So turn to Matthew eleven twenty. Did I read? No, I didn't read. Sorry. Go to Isaiah 43 really quick. And this is, this is a couple of things I added after I had taught this to the youth that I was like, oh. Just really quick, and then we'll move on. Isaiah 43, it said, this is, this is under the doing the word part. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Whom, who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is truth. So basically, in a nutshell, I was just trying to say that when I'm saying do the word, it sounds so simple. You can sit here and listen and be completely deaf. This scripture shows you. You can look and you can be blind. It is right here. Bring out the blind people who have eyes, the deaf people who have ears. If you don't yield and do the word, you're putting yourself in that category. So don't put yourself in that category. You can. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Just don't do it. Just do what the word says. Even if you think, well, it's just a little thing. It's not that big a deal. The more you yield to that little thing, the more you will practice yielding, and it'll become larger things the next time. Amen? So, Matthew eleven twenty. And this scripture, when I found after, I was just like, oh my gosh. I don't want to be one of these people. All right. Oh, I turned it off. All right, hang on. And it, took, it turned the whole thing off. Why? Okay. All right, now I have to scroll down to it. Sorry, guys, I'm almost there. Okay, Matthew eleven twenty. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. So remember that. Remember that part. Most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. Uh, I think I... Is that in there double? Oh, okay. Then I must have put it in there twice. Sorry. Well, probably because we need to hear it twice, right? <laughs> for it would have remained until this day. Sometimes when I paste and when I copy and paste scriptures, I end up doing that double. I'm going to read it again anyway, the very bottom. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for you for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So they saw his mighty works. 
It says, he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. They saw his mighty works and did not respond. They didn't get born again. They didn't say, oh, you are Lord. You know, you're, they didn't even respond. That, to me, this was like, oh, it was like knife, knife in my soul. <laughs> when I read this, I'm like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm never, never one of those people. When God's moving, and they, I mean, they experienced, I mean, amazing things. Seeing him pray for somebody and a limb grow out and, you know, people full of the devil getting completely delivered. And they, it was just like, okay, like, entertain me, I guess. I don't know. Let's make sure that we value whatever God's doing. Always, always, always. And when I say respond, I mean respond as in, I'm not saying, like, looking for a response. I'm saying, you know what, you're just, when, when we're praising God, you're praising God. You know, your mind, you're just not letting your mind go off in other places. You know, things like that. Respond as in giving God your heart, you know, giving him your all. You know, it, it, it may mean different things at different times, but, but always have the things of God just be up here in your life. Have it the most important thing. Have it at the right priority, amen? So let's make sure that... We're responders to when God tells us. We're responders when we hear his word. And it may, not, it may be telling us something we don't like to hear, but we're going to do it. We're going to do what God says. And sometimes it can be so hard because it might mean changing your attitude towards someone. But, and we've all done it. But let me tell you, sometimes just changing your attitude towards someone and submitting to them and putting them first. I mean, your whole world can get just turned around in an amazing way. It's like fast track. It can be fast track for promotion. I'm t I've experienced it for myself. You, and you know, you know when you've got that attitude towards someone or you're, you're struggling with something. You know and why do you want to keep it anyway? I don't know why our flesh just wants to hold on to it. Like, even if we're a thousand percent right, like that person did us wrong, even if you're right, why? Why do we want to hold on to it? The devil's just there. He pressures you. He puts the pressure on because he knows the second that you do it God's way, that light and the blessings of God are going to come in and your whole situation is going to change. And so we can do it. We can, get, we can give it to God and let him have it. So, you know, this week, if you feel like, you know, your pot has leaked out, it's empty, you've got a lot of ammo for this week, a lot of steps, a lot of things that we talked about. Remember, God's power is, is there. It's never gone. 
You know, God's, the life of God is in you. But you, you can add to it and you can stir it up and it is your job. But we can do it. Amen? At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.